Yo! Sorry about that. Welcome to episode 166 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. It's your boy, Mrs. ZCP from the A63, a.k.a. Mrs. A. Coleman, a.k.a. Polk County's number one podcast. How you doing? Guess what? I watched one game yesterday out of four. We caught a decent amount of games on Wednesday. We will be talking the majority of the Wednesday games, but Thursday was a relaxed day for me. You know, raining outside here in the in the Florida area. We're getting hurricane. Cat one, but still a hurricane. And for the most part, just been chilling out, just trying to stay out of trouble, stay out the street. You should be too, by the way, if you are in the Florida area. Please. Please stay inside. Or if you can't evacuate, please do. But for the vast majority, I've just been hanging out. Um, the one game I watched, by the way, was uh was Philly and Atlanta, in case y'all were asking. Um, I caught a little bit of the highlights in the Portland uh New Orleans game, but the highlights don't really do it justice. So let's get into the into the Wednesday stuff. Not a whole lot of news has dropped in the last two days. Obviously, you know. Tuesday was a pretty quiet day in the NBA, considering there was no games. And the only other news that came out on Wednesday was the Kyrie Irving stuff, which, again, I've already publicized on this podcast that I will not be discussing at any point. Because I'm tired of seeing the Kyrie Irving. I'm tired of seeing the name Kyrie Irving down my timeline. Whether if he's guilty or innocent, does not matter. Good or bad. I am tired of seeing his name on the timeline. So with that being said... First game we want to get into from the Wednesday um, slate, the Mavs and the Magic. I've never, in again, I've watched Luka, Luka Doncic play on and off since about 2016, 17, give or take. I have never seen better defense played on him. He's had bad games, of course, you know, every NBA player does. I have never seen good as good one-on-one defense on Luka Doncic as I've seen since he's been in the league, at bare minimum, maybe even in the Euros, that I've seen Sh- uh, Shumo Kiki play on him. Like, genuinely, that fourth quarter had him strapped. And that, again, it's not going to get talked about because it's the Orlando Magic and they're still a rebuilding team, lest we forget. But the defense played by Shumo Kiki on Luka Doncic that deserves that's like all defense first team level performance on Luka Doncic. Did Luka score? Sure. But the that was the toughest with well, 24 points Luka Doncic has scored in the NBA so far and it came crazy enough from Shumo Kiki. He's been defended by Mikael Bridges, Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, um Giannis Antetokounmpo, um of course Drew Holiday. He's been defended by every top defender in the NBA. Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green. He's been defended by literally every top defender in the NBA. Shumo Kiki has played the best defense on Luka Doncic I've ever seen on him. And that is a great shout to Shumo Kiki because he was definitely a defensive guy coming out of college. And we would wonder how much that would translate to the NBA. That game showed that it would translate pretty well. Yeah, we could talk about Franz Wagner in the fourth quarter. He, Franz Wagner in the fourth quarter was actually really clutch, too, by the way. Um, but the defense on Luka Doncic deserves 
all the credit in the world. The defense on the Mavericks in general, because the Mavs scored 13 points in the fourth quarter, and a lot of that is a attribute to the fact that Christian Wood's not healthy. He's missed the last few games for them, and it's really, really cost him on the offensive end. It's helped them out in the defensive end a little bit because Maxi Kleber gets to play more, but Maxi Kleber clearly is not the offensive talent that Luke, uh, that Christian Wood is. So that's going to uh, bite them in the butt a little bit. But again, this is a Spencer Dinwiddie game that unfortunately um, did not lead to a Mavericks W. And it, coincidentally enough, it was the same thing uh, last night with Washington too. Spencer Dinwiddie had a hell of a game, but... The Wizards just basically, the Wizards literally just outscored. They, it wasn't, it was more of just a, the Wizards had a better ran offense than the Dallas Mavericks did, which coincidentally is a, a common theme with the Washington Wizards for the, or sorry, for the Dallas Mavericks for the last three or four games is that they have not, I mean, again, something that we publicize in the offseason as well, whereas like this offense is, is doomed. This the office. This offense is set for doom right now, because of the lack of um, uh, the lack of creation outside of Luka Doncic. Granted, Den- Spencer Dinwiddie has stepped back up, but for the most part, it's literally just the Luka Doncic creation that's basically led the Mavericks to a five hundred record. If Luka was not literally Luka Doncic, this team would be in the mud right now. I'm I'm still nowhere near the the faith of uh, Krishna Wood being the guy to carry this offense, and I'm definitely not of the faith that Luka Doncic can do this by himself because clearly it has not worked so far. Next, from the Denver Nuggets, um, ben, the bench looked, again, you know, obviously the numbers can be deceiving, but the bench from the Denver Nuggets low-key won them this game. Yes, Aaron Gordon had a hell of a game. Uh, Nikola Jokic had a, a you know I mean, a solid game, although he did foul out. Um, but this the bench from the Denver Nuggets. Oddly enough, Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan have such a weird like in good in a good way, such a weird connection with each other that like in the offseason, I would not have been I would not have said oh Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan are going to be one of the best pick and rolls in the NBA. I would have never those words would have never come out of my mouth. But these dudes can run the pick and roll, can have such chem- and it might just be a Bones Highland thing, but have such great chemistry to the point where they they are always reading each other. And again, we're only in week three, week four, this closer to week three of the NBA season. And Bones Highland, DeAndre Jordan have probably the, the are probably the best two connected people in the uh, two connected teammates in the NBA, which is saying something because like I said, there's pretty good connections out there. But Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan again in the pick and roll is. Is like uncanny. Like it's it's Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan level, like of uh of chemistry in the pick and roll, which like I said, I'm I'm all for with the Denver Nuggets. Plus, like I said, the top end talent is there. Porter Junior has been good so far this season. Jamal Murray is slowly getting back back in form. Jokic is still been Nikola Jokic. Even the role players, AG, KCP, uh, Bruce Brown, even Jeff Green in the limited minutes, he's been uh pretty good too. But Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan in the pick and roll. And again, it's similar to like Murray and Jokic, honestly. Like, obviously, DeAndre Jordan is nowhere near the talent of a, of a Nikola Jokic, but still, like, you know, it just is on on par chemistry wise because Bones can get um, DeAndre the ball whenever, and Bones can obviously create for himself. So that's what's um given. That's what's giving him the the extra edge, which uh, 
honestly, it's helping. Like I said, it's help, helping Denver stay afloat because of how deep this roster is. They can play a legit nine to ten man rotation. It doesn't really feel out of place, which is something I couldn't say in the offseason because I didn't really believe in this bench like that. Like the best player on this bench was a second year Bones Highland, but Bones Highland has actually been really good, and they actually do have Bruce Brown coming off the bench, which defensively, although Benedict Mathurin did tear that ass up, like still defensively, Bruce Brown has been a revelation for them so far this season. Um, overall, but with the uh, Indiana Pacers though, um, like I said, this is a, a rebuilding team, so like I'm not. They're still way better than what I thought they would start off, to be honest with you. I thought this was going to be a team that would phone it in, probably have a good 20-22 wins this season, and that might still happen. But overall, the start to the season has been definitely a revelation talent-wise due to how um, Tyrese Halliburton runs this offense. He's, he's running this offense, and I'm not the first person to say this. Honestly, this might not even be the first time I say this, but he is operating like a young Chris Paul out there. As a playmaker, and somebody that could still go get their own shot. Um, still probably one of the uh, ugliest step back jumpers I've ever seen, or uh, yeah, basically one of the one of the ugliest step back jumpers I've ever seen. But he's still him on the offensive end. Um, obviously it was it was nice to see a uh, Zay Jackson get some some run. I know you know MT and and Go uh, Badate have been running the center spot for the most part. Even Jalen Smith getting limited minutes. But um, it was great to see Zay Jackson also get some minutes because, oh boy, that boy uh deserved. He gets he gets little to no PTA because like I said they got depth there already and you know they have so much young talent already. But this was a it was a, it was great to see him out there. Um, next Portland Trailblazers Charlotte Hornets admittedly um did not watch this game. One of the few that I didn't watch um from the Wednesday from the Wednesday slate. Um, it was. Whew. Um, watching the highlights again. Very. I. I don't know why I'm missing Portland Trailblazers games. They're like one of the better teams in the league, and I just haven't been able to catch their games. So I'm just watching the highlights. Um, the sh- the three point shooting on this team is oddly like. I mean, like I said, the 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 numbers will say otherwise, but they're a timely three point shooting team. I wouldn't say they're a great three point shooting team or even a good. But they are a timely three point shooting team. It kind of reminds me of like the uh like Andre Iguodala in a way, like peak Iggy. Oh, I wouldn't say peak Iggy, but Warriors early Warriors Iggy. Whereas like Iggy was never a good three point shooter, but he was always a timely three point shooter. He was always the one that hit him in the clutch. He'll hit him in the perfect spot. Dame and and Josh Hart too. I'll say this: Dame, Josh Hart, and and Shaden Sharp are three guys that hit those timely three pointers. Uh, with the best of them, and it's crazy to say that from Shaden Sharp this early in his career, but he's one of those guys that absolutely can get you a good enough bucket from uh just in the in the right time can get you a, a bucket where you when you need it when your team is struggling and he's going to get you that that bucket which all for this early in his career especially playing with guys like Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons and even Josh Hart to an extent like and granted Portland is absolutely missing rib protection right now because even Mason Plumlee <laughs> Mason Plumlee having a good game against Portland Triplers probably should say and we really need Nikola Jokic right now. I said Nikola Jokic. Yusuf Nurkic right now. Um, I don't even know why I said Nikola Jokic. But Yusuf Nurkic is definitely missed right now in Portland. Even with the uh even with the wins, there he is still sorely missed in the paint. 
because in and we'll get into it in a little bit. But a lot of New Orleans buckets last night came from in the paint too. So that um yeah, that's going to be something that Portland is going to have to address come deadline time. <sighs> Next, unfortunately, I did catch this game: Detroit Pistons and the Boston Celtics. Um, it was the weirdest sight in the history of the of of this planet to see Killian Hayes score. Like have a good offensive scoring game. Like being aggressive, but it was painful seeing my superstar, future superstar point guard Kate Cunningham, get outplayed by Sam Hauser. And really, realistically, outplayed by Killian Hayes. It sucked. Uh, don't get me wrong. It, this it sucked. I just wish I I I'm, hope he puts it. He just puts it behind him. It was just you know a one game thing, and it's not going to be a, a consistent thing with him. But that that was a it was not a fun game to watch in the very least. Um, still trying to figure out why in the blue hell the um Dwayne Casey is still running Zay Stewart at the five. Um, God, I understand Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bay both need to play together. I completely understand that. Don't get don't get me wrong. Two shooters on the floor help Caden IV out really well. But Duran is literally right there. And I understand Duran plays majority of the minutes, but still like having that early punch to start the game with Jalen Duran helps a whole hell of a lot more than it does with Zay Stewart. Which is unfortunate for me to say that because they Stewart, I, I genuinely love on this team. But, oh boy, it's a, it's a rough one. Now with the Boston Celtics, back to Sam Hauser. Holy shit, who expected Sam Hauser three games in a row to be like a, a highlight player for the Boston Celtics? Probably should have been the guy that checked out the uh, breakout players from every NBA team. Hi, Sam Hauser. And also, defensively, Eric Williams. Um... But no, on a ser- on a serious note, um, this is like I said, it was literally a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown game. Like he, they took advantage of matchups and fucking murdered. It wasn't like I said, it was it was nothing that nothing out of the ordinary from a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown game. It was as simple as they killed every little matchup that they had. Next, Rockets and Raptors. Unfortunately, I probably caught maybe three minutes of this game, but in the three minutes that I saw of this game, who oh boy, Fred Van Vliet, you can sure take over a game, huh? And it's going to be an absolute struggle for Fred Van Vliet um, now that Pascal Siakam is injured and will be out, I believe, a month is what they said. Oh, I think he said reevaluated in three weeks, so it could potentially be a month. Fred is going to die <laughs> just like scotty barnes you kind of wanted him to take a second uh second season jump i also early defensive player of the year candidate og Ananobi, um had another really good game 27 to 10 in uh in almost 40 minutes of action but overall Fred Fleet being the primary um really the only uh ball handler on this team is going to be a struggle for him to keep up with for the next three to four weeks while Pascal is injured. Hopefully, it doesn't um, take away from him as a, a like as a talent. But who boys, it's going to be a it's going to be a long, drawn season for him. Um, next, 
the Utah Jazz and the Atlanta Hawks, can we start the early Laurie marketing MVP case? Yes. We can. I think it's time. We need to start a dialogue, in the words of one Charles Barkley. We need to start a dialogue. Laurie Markkinen is my early season MVP. I know Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of all-time numbers, ditto Luka Doncic, but Laurie Markkinen is leading this team. And again, I'm not saying that this team is bad by any means. There's 10, to, 10 quality NBA players on this roster in Utah. Maybe like nine. If you uh depends on how you your view of Taylor Horton Tucker. So nine uh quality NBA players on this roster in Utah. But this I, the reason why a lot of us thought that this Utah Jazz team was not going to be anything. A trading two stars and B, this team did not know each other vast for the most part, did not know each other in September. This team did not know each other. This team was really, really realistically configured out in September, early September, mid-September. Kelly Olenek just got to this team in the preseason. Actually, it was, it was, um, it was media day, so the 28th, I believe, September 28th. It was media day. And Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee, who's no longer on this roster, got to this team. Marketing and Colin Sexton got to this team in early September. Among others, you know, O'Shea Baji, et cetera, got to this team early September. Jerry Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Walker Kessler, um, and Patrick Beverly, who's since been traded, obviously. So Taylor Horton Tucker, I guess, also technically you could put in there, um, got there in August. Mike Conley is 35, going on 36, and Jordan Clarkson is on an, on an expiring deal. Rudy Gay is also 37, and Walker Kessler realistically was not viewed as a top NBA prospect, with all due respect. That, what I just read to you, has the second best record in the NBA after beating the Atlanta Hawks. Let that sink in. The second best team is what I just read to you. A hodgepodge group of people and old older guys. All right, we'll, we'll say old guys. Mike Conley, old ass. Rudy Gay, old ass. Still, somehow, this team has the second best record in the NBA. And it's because Giannis Kupo is a literal cheat code. Realistically, if Giannis was 6'5", Utah Jazz have the best record in the NBA. That is crazy. That is wild to think about. Because literally, 24-ish days ago, I told you, I jokingly said on this podcast that Will Hardy might win the coach of the year if he takes this team to a passable record. They have more than a passable record right now. Will Hardy might be your literal coach of the year. I'm not going to go as far to say Luke, that Laurie Markin is the actual MVP of the league. Don't ever take that statement serious. But Will Hardy realistically could be considered coach of the year for the first month of the season. That's a statement that I don't want to read out loud. But I did. Next game, 
did not catch because I I literally said on this podcast on Tuesday that the, the Battle of New York and the Battle of L.A. can both kiss my ass. The, those games were unimportant to me. And I was right. KD got his, uh, I believe, 10th career triple-double in this game, so there's that. But overall, this game was – like I said, you just look at the score, and this, this game was a snooze fest. Um, Bucks and OKC, holy shit, by far the best game of this, of the of the slate, by far. And again, I understand Lakers slander is, you know, it's I I will I love me some Lakers slander, and every time the Lakers lose, it's a a uh, it's a monumental moment in history. But no, all trolling aside, this game was the by far and away the best game in the uh, of this slate. And shout out to Javon fucking Carter. Shout out to Javon Carter, because. Realistically, when I said when I saw Javon Carter was replacing Drew Holiday in the starting lineup, I'm like, hmm, this. I mean, it's interesting. Like you know, this the the team that literally benched him, the coach that benched him in the playoffs for George Hill, who also played a pretty solid role in this game. Um, the guy that was benched in the playoffs last year, I was like, damn, like they actually they know that Javon Carter exists. I thought I was 100% of the uh of the um belief that Javon Carter should have been in the uh who should have played him uh, played over George Hill. But I didn't think that Javon Carter in this game was gonna put up 36 and 12. 30 and again this this argument proves this game proves with I'm gonna read you the starting lineup from the Bucks by the way. This is not to your typical Milwaukee Bucks missing three basically four starters. Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, Mo, uh, Marjan Bochamp, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is the only regular starter in that start in that in that lineup. No Drew, obviously no back, Pat Connaughton, obviously no Chris Middleton, and no Giannis Antetokounmpo. Javon Carter gave you thirty six and twelve. I told you this team would repeat as the NBA champions because I I was I saw the depth in this team nobody else saw on this team. We talk about the Clippers' depth, which I also agree that they're one of the deeper teams in the league. Very few people talk about it, but people do talk about the Grizzlies' depth. We do talk about the Warriors' depth. This team has depth too, and again, I was I was very much worried because they were they were using that price tag on some questionable people. You know, Pat Connaughton making about fourteen million a year, Bobby Portis making about twelve million. I thought this team was going to be uh they they were going to use that price tag a little too loosely. Well. Obviously, you know, remains to be seen with Pat Connaughton, but Bobby Portis are earning his money already. Marjan Bochamp, he's earning that draft pick money right now. Brooke Lopez, he looked like he's looking like prime Brooke Lopez out there, which is saying something because prime Brooke Lopez was the top five center in the NBA. I might still have, we might have to start a dialogue where after the wave of Jokic, Cat, and B, or Jokic and B, Cat, um, and Gobert, maybe Bam. Um, we're gonna have to start a dialogue on Brooke Lopez being in that number five or six spot because he is he is showing his ass this season, and that and it's the Bucks have the best record in the NBA, all because I mean you know Giannis is that man too, but Brooke Lopez is a extremely uh, reliable contributor to this um to that record too. Giannis ain't doing it by himself. On the OKC side, if Shea Gilgis Alexander. 
is not an all-star so far. Uh, this, so, uh, God, I can't speak. If Kishay Gilders Alexander is not an all-star this season, we are going to have to start a dialogue. We are going to be rioting in the streets. That's me uh, poking my cup, by the way, because I'm this upset. If Shea Gilders Alexander is not an all-star this season, we are going to be rioting in the streets. Because there's no possible way. And even with the OKC Thunder record being what it is, you know, it's the Thunder. What did you expect, realistically? I do not care anymore. Shea Gilgis Alexander is indeed him. And I really, God, I want the Thunder to start taking basketball serious again. Because Shea is going to be putting these numbers up, and they're going to win eventually. And then Shea's going to get his respect. Shea should be getting his respect now. Honestly, realistically, Shea should have been getting his respect three years ago, but I understand the process of the Thunder tanking. I do understand that. Even with Chris Paul, he was still putting up 20 a game. And the Thunder were a playoff team. That's, where the, that's the moment where Shea should have been getting his respect. But we had to wait all the way up until now where he's putting up 30. In this game, he put up 40 and lost against a team that I believe could win an NBA championship, a team that already has won an NBA championship, but this iteration of the Bucks can also win the title. He put up 40 in a near-winning effort, took double overtime, and Javon Carter having the game of his life, literally and figuratively, just for that result right there. Shea should be getting his mad respect right now. The rest of the Thunder, you know, Lou Dort, you know, yeah, he had an alright game. Poku had an okay game too. Um, Josh Giddy, the shooting is nowhere near there, obviously, but you know, he's still playing like should Josh Giddy is. You know, you know Josh Giddy's game at this point. He's going to score. He's going to be a, a high value rebounder because of his size, and he's going to play make. Trey Man off the bench was excellent, but. Shea Goodles Alexander should be an all-star this year. He better be an all-star. Like, the same argument was given Devin Booker. Shea Goodles Alexander is in that conversation, too. Just my personal opinion. Um, We're going to get to a couple of games that I did unfortunately did not get to see. Um, The Pelicans and the Bulls and the Grizzlies and the Spurs, so we're going to skip right through those. Phoenix and Minnesota. I know a lot of people saw... um. The video of D'Angelo Russell basically getting checked into the game. Um, the Timberwolves' problems are deeper than that, though. Um, for a team that I really expected to be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, statistically is the worst defensive team in the NBA. And that's sad. That is sad because, again, I 100% expected Anthony Edwards to take a step on the defensive end now that, you know, Rudy Gobert coming to this team should have been a, a, a to, been able to light a fire underneath the guys that aren't, you know, traditionally good defenders. Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Carlton Towns, etc. That is not the case anymore. Because this three-point shooting defense is still atrocious. The Sun shot 46% from three, 16 of 35. Minnesota 22 fouls, 19 turnovers, 26 assists to the Suns, 31. 26 assists is still good. You know, the offense is there. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to question the offense. 
you know, the turnovers are high, but, you know, it's the NBA. It happens. No Chris Paul in the Suns lineup. Obviously, no Cam Johnson either. He got hurt in the previous game. Landry Shaman also got injured in this game. But this, there's no reason. Even with DeAndre Ayton being a nothing on the offensive end, he should not be outplaying Carl Anthony Towns. Rudy Gobert, you know, he got his numbers specifically because Mans was being guarded by Torrey Craig, which Torrey Craig is an excellent perimeter defender, but in the paint, he is toast. It, this game was an, an atrocity. Yes, we're going to use the we're going to use the five dollar words on this level of Timberwolves basketball. And I even had a conversation with a couple of Timberwolves fans, saying that that this this was this team is almost dead in the water already. And again, it's, it's tough to say that twelve games into their season, they're five and seven, twelve games in. But these issues are not year one fixable. These aren't fixable in the next seventy games. Chemistry is off. Anthony Edwards has been hella disappointing so far this season. The numbers are there, but you, every, people were expecting MVP-level jump from Anthony Edwards. I wasn't going that far, but people were penciling him in for a most improved season, like John Morant-type most improved. I don't see that in Anthony Edwards this season. Yes, he has a couple of 30 bombs that's, that's, uh, that's you know inflated his numbers to about 21 a game. But realistically, Anthony Edwards has looked just like a regular scorer out there, which is something that Timberwolves fans were not were not saying six months ago. People weren't saying, "Oh, he's he's a regular scorer. You know, he he he'll get he'll get you some points, but he's nothing special." People, they, he was special against Memphis. He was special last season. That specialty tag does not work this season. He hasn't been just just. Letting y'all know that specialty tag died last season in the postseason last year. Respectfully, he's still he's still an okay he's still a good NBA player. I will give him this. He absolutely still a good NBA player. He's not what we have come uh, been accustomed to seeing from Anthony Edwards so far this season. Props to Jaden McDaniels though. But holy shit, this this Timberwolves team is sliding down fast. And again, it was it the box score will tell you it's a twenty a twelve point game. This was not a twelve point game. <sighs> I don't even know how we segue from that because that, I mean, yes, we do can we can kind of segue from the Lakers to the Clippers. So um yeah, Lakers are done. I don't I don't know how else we we're gonna have to put this. The the Lakers are done. <laughs> we, I said that we weren't going to talk about the Lakers until they got good again. They won two in a row, and it made me was like, yeah, maybe we can talk about the Lakers a little bit. Yeah, that's done for. And now LeBron James is day to day, so he could very well miss up to a week of action. And that's the absolute last thing the Lakers need in two and at the two and nine stretch of their NBA season. I believe dead last in the West, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't even know where you go from here. This this team's this this team is a rotten. Act, this team is actual rotten shit, bro. 
Last game we get to discuss from the Wednesday in the window with the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers. <sighs> Are the Kings the most ass backwards team in the NBA? Because I think I might. We might be on that trage- trajectory. Like, I, for the absolute longest time, I thought it would be it was all the Denver Nuggets. This team is so ass backwards. With between, and again, it's one night they're getting that ass busted by forty. A couple of nights later, they're beating the one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and holding Darius Garland to six points. This team, where where is this? Where do the Kings? fit right now in the West? Like, where realistically, where do they fit? Because, again, they're not consistent enough for me to call them a playoff team, but they somehow hang around on their ass in every single game. No matter who they're playing. They hang around every little... They Again, there's their game, they have their games where they get, they're getting demolished by 30 or so. But for the vast majority... They're somewhat in a lot of these games. And it's annoying trying to pick what the Kings are going to do next because I believe their their next um couple of games, they got the Lakers, they got the Warriors, um, Brooklyn, San Antonio, Detroit, Memphis, Atlanta, Boston, Phoenix, Indiana, the Clippers, the Bulls, and the Bucks. Outside of the Pistons and maybe the Pacers, that's a hell of a... And the, the Lakers. But for the vast majority, that's a hell of a schedule for them. And to get it, again, I'm going to read you this because we mentioned this earlier. The Kings being the vast majority of their games. They've actually had every single... They have not had... They've had one game this season that's been uh, double figures, and that was a loss to the Grizzlies. But so far this season, seven-point loss to the Blazers... Two point loss to the Clippers, five point loss to the Warriors, six point loss or six point win against the King. Oh, sorry, the Heat. Sorry, um, seven point win against the Hornets, three point loss to the Heat, three point win against the Magic, three point loss to the King, or the Warriors, which they lost in literally a game winner. Actually, it, their last three games before this Cavs game were all game winners. Lost to Miami on a um Jimmy Butler game winner, lost to Orlando or sorry beat Orlando on a De'Aaron Fox game winner, lost to the Warriors on a Steph Curry three uh, three pointer. Literally have lost their last three games due to last minute or last possession shots. Sorry. And then they just beat the Cavs. This team is beyond backwards. Like, they literally, at least they're consistent with their their finish to their games. But, golly, this is one of the crazier. I just realized I said Jimmy Butler. I meant Tyler Hero. But... Either way, the, the the point still stands. They lost three straight buzzer beaters, but for the vast majority of their their season, it's literally been close games. And again, obviously they had the one loss with Memphis, but this team is so backwards to me. They can look they look like dog shit one night, and then last night against the Cavs because I or not said last night two nights ago because I actually watched that game over the the Lakers game. They looked like a competent basketball team. It wasn't just De'Aaron Fox trying to create for himself. Sabonis was getting his. Barnes was getting his. Trey Lyles had a fucking spark plug moment off the bench. Um, Keegan Murray had his. 
Um, Malik Monk got his. Like everybody on the Kings, even Davion Mitchell had a couple isolation plays. They didn't look good, but he had a couple isolation plays, and that's kind of what counts here. Um, Shabizi Matu, he had a couple of offensive rebounds and in, in, or a an offensive rebound put back, and then um a tap back. I think it was Sabonis that might have got credit for the rebound, or is either Sabonis or Murray. One of the one of the two got credit for the rebound, but it's like. Like, he even has some effort plays, which I'm absolutely glad that the Kings are at least using him because I was afraid that, like, you know, once Sabonis or Rashawn Holmes got comfortable playing with each other, then, you know, Shemizi Metu was going to be sat on the bench. But Rashawn Holmes is injured now, so there's Shemizi Metu's opportunity. Um, but, yeah, like, the, the Kings look like a competent basketball team out there compared to some nights where, and I'm going to pick out the Grizzlies because that was, that was one of the three that I watched. Um, one of the three Kings, Kings games I've watched so far this season, they did not look good against the Grizzlies. Defensively, they were very sluggish, to say the absolute very least. And in this game, even if the Cavs were scoring, the Kings were putting an effort on that end. And they were playing competent offensive basketball where it's like, wow, this is a this is the team that I can I can believably say can win this game, which they did. And I'm all I'm all for uh I'm all for the the Kings being the Kings being back to competent basketball because for a while it's been and again I even had this conversation because we were talking about the Timberwolves obviously and um I was like the Kings are not good then like if the Kings finish the season like god awful I think Minnesota might be in the in the run for a, a D-Lo for De'Aaron Fox signing trade kind of deal and even though it sounded like a half joke when I said it. Um, it wasn't like it honestly didn't feel that far off at the time. Like it, it really doesn't feel that far off because De'Aaron Fox still a really good playmaker. Minnesota needs a playmaker. I'm like I'm totally not off the uh, off the grid of the Kings potentially trade De'Aaron Fox if they're not good. But shoot, they just beat the be- second best team in the Eastern Conference. Maybe they don't need to make any trades. All right, now to the Thursday window. Oh boy, damn, we're already forty minutes into this recording. Um, Mavericks and the Wizards didn't catch a lick of this game. I'm gonna be honest with you. There's four games going on at the exact same time, and I could only catch one. Uh, I I caught one and a half. To be fair, I caught Philly and Atlanta, and I caught a little bit of the Blazers and the Pelicans. But then I just ended up watching the highlights on YouTube. Um, the Atlanta and Philly game, I had a uh, I had a good sample size. I should say two critique different things in the game. Um admittedly not my favorite game to watch to be fair. Um especially in the first half. The first half was ugh, it was a, a I would say a train wreck would probably be a word to use. I wouldn't even say train. It was just a sluggish like I said. You know what you're going to get when you see a 76ers game. A lot of Joel Embiid isos and a lot of Tyrese Halliburton cutting to the basket. Uh, you you know what you're getting out of a 76ers game. And out of Atlanta Hawks, you're going to see a lot of Trey Young in the pick and roll and a lot of lobs to Click Capella and John Collins. And that's basically what we got. It was, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a snores fest, a snores fest, a snooze fest, or a snore fest. Um, but it was, it was not my favorite game to watch, to be fair. I kind of wanted to change it, but there was not a whole lot going on anyway. Like the Wizards and the, Ma- and the, uh, and the Mavericks did not excite me in the absolute least. Maybe I could have caught another good defensive performance on Luka Doncic, but 
overall, like I said, th- this was not a, a fun slate of games to um to try to cover. Again, Hornets Heat saw zero of. I didn't even watch highlights on YouTube. I was not interested in this game whatsoever. Um, I saw Jimmy Butler go crazy for my fantasy team, though, so there's that. But overall, like I said, this that game that game had little to no interest on my uh on my end. Um in the Blazers and the Pelicans, um, we kinda did talk about earlier when we talked about the Blazers, um their other Blazers game that we uh covered in this episode. Um but yeah, the rim protection from the New Orleans Pelicans, despite the win, was very um it w- it was it was not it like the the pelicans vast majority of the pelicans points and it stopped being this on the um uh, in the in the second half basically it, they like were non-existent in the second half but in the first half the pe- vast majority of the pelicans points came in the paint and in the second half while the play- blazers they're just playing better perimeter defense it was like the 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 actual scoring in the paint um died down from the pelicans be- due to the turnovers but overall, the Portland Trailblazers, they have a well-run offense, if nothing else, like with no Damian Lillard in the lineup and, of course, no Drew, you, uh, no Yusuf Nurkic. The playmaking is likely not going to be there, but we saw a little bit of point justice last night. Like even with, when Anthony Simons went to the bench and they kind of went a little bit bigger with uh, Nazir Little and Trey Wofford, Justice Winslow got to run primary point guard and – that's where the flow of the offense like really got going. Like Anthony Simons, of course, got hot, but in the first half and even into the third quarter, point justice was like the main thing with the Blazers. It was like they get to run their their uh, their small ball lineup, and um, Justin Winslow got to to basically be the the point guard, basically point forward, point center, whatever you want to, because basically he is the center in this lineup. Um. Trent Wofford, I don't really see the center in this lineup, despite them actually calling him the center in that small ball. But overall, um, Justice Winslow running the point guard was the key to the Blazers' success, Um, despite Anthony Simons being the scorer. Jeremy Grant also got his buckets, of course. But Justice Winslow and Josh Hart um, on the offensive end was kind of like the the spark plug of the Portland Joe Blazers. And I'll even give Nasir Little his credit, too. Like, Nasir Little, he got a... he got um a few cuts to the basket, a few sli- um slashes, and really showed what we kind of expected from him in the first few, uh, window of his career, where where you know little to no PT, he was like the guy that you know he was there for the defense, but on the offensive end you expect little to nothing. Now that he's got a little bit of an offensive game, he's going to get a little bit more PT, and with a little bit more PT, you know, gets an increased role, and I think he can he can handle that with uh with ease. But shout out to Point Justice coming back. If you know me, you know Point Justice it was like my thing, like something that random in very short time. It's like Linsanity, but not um as covered. Point Justice was one of my favorite things to watch for a long time, and I kind of missed Justice Winslow running the point guard. That's why I always thought, man, him with the Clippers. Clippers needed a point guard. You know, maybe he might be that guy. He he didn't end up becoming that guy, but tonight in Portland he got to show that a little bit. Maybe we could see a little bit more. And you know, Damon Lillard don't have to score nearly as much as he does. Same with Anthony Simons, of course. Um, on the Pelican side, though, we we kind of you know talked about it a little bit. 
Um, scoring in the paint was their their bread and butter in the first half, and then in the second half it became non-existent because they started racking up turnovers and didn't even get to score in the paint. Like they didn't even get to, to shoot. So, yeah, that's a <laughs> a little bit of a. The Pelicans overall, like I said, I'm I'm not been too keen on so far. Like it's been a top heavy for a team that I I love the the depth on this roster. It's been a pretty top heavy season, and it has a lot to do with you know like Herb Jones being in and out of the lineup, Zion being out the uh, in and out of the lineup, and they've had to run to a lot of different types of rotations. Even like Najee Marshall getting minutes, Jose Alvarado, Devontae Graham, a lot of these dudes that's towards the end of the bench getting minutes. Um. But overall, like this has been a a topsy turvy season to say the very least for the New Orleans Pelicans. But I think once they get healthy, once they get a defined rotation, I think they'll be back to the two normal Pelicans basketball. Which I don't know exactly what normal normal Pelicans basketball is, but it's going to be a, uh, they're going to be a winning team for sure. Um, yes, we can preview tonight's games. Um, um, if I can pull up the schedule real quick. Um. Uh, here we go. All right. So there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games on. Based on based on the look of it, it looks like ugh, God. Don't tell me the Kings and the Lakers is a national TV game. Because from the looks of this, it looks like Bucks Birds might be the national TV game. Um, if the Kings and the Lakers are national TV, I'm gonna vomit. But um, to steal the confidence point system from my boys over at the GIR Going in Raw uh, podcast, we're gonna do predictions for this game. Why not? Just just for the funs of it. Um, no biggie. Just like something a little tie over for the podcast. But um, with this, I'll give the Suns versus the Magic. Give me the Suns with the five confidence points on this one. Basically, their confidence point system is like. From the amount of uh, mat, in their case matches, but in for in my case games, well, there's eight games. So the game you're most confident in the outcome of the game, you give the most confidence points. The one you're least confident in, you give the least amount of confidence points. It's a one through eight system for today, um. But they you know, one one to however many fits the system, um. But yeah, Suns with I believe five, I said five confidence points, um. Nuggets Celtics give me the Celtics with two confidence points. Pistons Knicks give me the Pistons with, eh, give me the Knicks with four confidence points. Um, Raptors Thunder give me the Raptors three confidence points because that game's actually going to be good. The Bucks and the Spurs give me the Bucks with seven confidence points. Timberwolves Grizzlies give me the Timberwolves. Sorry, give me the Grizzlies with uh, six confidence points. Give me the. Ooh. Give me the Cavs with one confidence point. I, that game is going to be tough to, to pick because I don't know what Steph Curry we're going to get in this game. And Kings and the Lakers, I believe, I don't think I said two. So I'm just going to say Kings and Lakers with two confidence points just for the, the shits and giggles of it. Um, But, yeah, that's uh, tonight. Um, yeah, that's to, tonight's games. Tomorrow I think it's even – I think it's also – no, it's eight. Also eight. So, yeah, there's that. Um. Nets Clippers, give me the Clippers with four confidence points. Jazz Wizards, give me the Jazz with three confidence points. Celtics Pistons, give me the Celtics with eight confidence points. I have zero confidence in the Pistons against that that scoring duo. The Raptors and the Pacers, give me the Raptors with two confidence points. Hawks Sixers, give me the Sixers with three confidence points. Did I already use three? I don't remember. 
um, Hornets Heat give me the Heat with six confidence points. Or sorry, seven seven confidence points. Rockets Pelicans give me the Rockets four confidence points. One confidence points actually. I'm gonna give give me one Rockets with one confidence point. I think this is finally where the Rockets get a W. Um, the Blazers and the Mavericks give me the. It depends if we get a healthy game. Um, I'll say Portland with two confidence points. There's that. I'm not going to get into Sunday and Monday's games. We're just going to, you know, we'll, we'll review them when the time is right. I'm going to probably be watching those games. But also, a little programming, in case you've missed um last episode, we talked about it. Guess what, baby? The Pog Pod is back, boys. We are doing another Pog Pod episode today, and we'll have a special episode of the of the Zay Coleman Podcast. Lord knows what time is going to be dropping, but... I'm going to be getting up early as hell to record the podcast on Thanksgiving Day. We're doing a special Thanksgiving episode of the Zay Coma podcast on the 24th. That's when Thanksgiving is, on the 24th of November. Um, of course, we're going to be doing a, uh, a bas- we're going to be doing a football preview and a basketball review of the Tuesday and Wednesday games. In case y'all um, were not aware. Tuesday and Wednesday games, and we're going to be um, previewing football, and we're going to be doing a special Pog Pod episode. I might even do it on like Wednesday night. I might do a basketball review Wednesday night, and then the Pog Pod on Thursday morning. Um, and we're going to be the Pog Pod for Thursday is going to be uh, what we're thankful for. And I'm gonna give my uh, special shout on the podcast to the people that I'm truly thankful for in my life because. They deserve all the public platform they can get because they helped me through a, a light time and a dark time in my life. So with that being said, I think we can close the podcast out right there. If you missed the previous 165 of the Zay Coleman podcast, I got a voice, I promise. Um, You can check them on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and of course right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you, you love me, and of course, as always, Let's love each other. Till next time. Goodbye.